At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, Legion of Audience. This is James. And before we get started today, I wanted to take a second and let you all know about the brand new Who Would Win Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and get behind-the-scenes access like you've never seen before, go to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow right now. Who Would Win patrons will have access to outtake videos, early info on battles, and even get a vote on characters that we'll use in upcoming episodes. So if you'd like to support me and the show, head to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow, and for as little as five bucks a month, you can define yourself as more than just a fan. You'll be an official member of the Legion. Hope to see you there. Dr. David Banner was a mild-mannered scientist on the quest to find a cure. After arriving in Gotham City, David took a job as the night janitor at Axis Chemicals. One night, when nearly everyone had gone home, David was mopping the floors in a storage area, hoping to gather info on what chemicals were stored there. It is then that tires rev and squeal as the Batmobile, helmed by Batman 1989, comes screaming through the facility, dropping bombs all over the compound. As the explosions begin, David Banner feels the rage build up inside him as his potential cure goes up in literal flames. Turning big and green, the newly formed Hulk leaps in front of the retreating Batmobile. Batman assumes that Hulk is one of the Joker's henchmen and steps on the gas. What happens next? Let's find out. It's Keaton versus Ferrigno. It's Bruce versus Don't Call Me Bruce. It's Batman 89 versus TV's The Incredible Hulk. Today on Who Would Win? And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from the worlds of comics, sci-fi, and fantasy. I'm your host, James Gavsey, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ray Tacanus. In today's episode, it's the battle that the world has wanted to have happen for decades. In one corner, you have the Hulk from the 70s and 80s, portrayed brilliantly by Lou Ferrigno, of course, versus some who believe 
is still the gold standard of the Cape Crusader. I'm talking, of course, about the 1989 version of Batman, otherwise known as Batman 89 or Batman 1989. As usual, I did the patented Who Would Win Google test just to see how many times this match has been discussed. And this battle has been the cause of metric tons of emotional turmoil online for quite wow. some time. This matchup, yeah, it's been crazy. The, the vitriol, the hatred, the mutual admiration for both characters completely, completely been gone through. This matchup has been so discussed, by the way, that when I typed in Batman 89 into Google, it auto-populated Batman 89 versus Lou Ferrigno Hulk. Literally, it's been talked about that much. Yeah, it's insane. However, however, as emotionally charged as these debates were, a clear-cut winner was never decided upon until now, that is. So, Ray, what are your thoughts on today's matchup? I love this battle. Look, I love me some Michael Keaton Batman movies. They are Batman and Batman Returns. I remember seeing them in theaters. I remember being super, super hyped for them. And I remember feeling very disappointed when I walked out after Batman Returns was over. But that's a separate (laughs) issue for a separate day. And then the 1970s Hulk, for a long time, we of a certain age really only had, throughout the 80s, had the Incredible Hulk TV show as our one standard for superheroes. Like, kids at home, you youngsters out there, can't imagine how amazing it is to have all this superhero culture everywhere. Of course, the new Doctor Strange movie, which is amazing, dropped uh, just last week. And I highly recommend everybody go and see it. It's wonderful. And uh, we didn't have this. We didn't have an MCU multiverse with a new superhero movie dropping every month, it feels like, alongside uh, Moon Knight and Loki and all these wonderful TV shows also dropping every six weeks or so. This didn't exist. You wanted superheroes. You had to get super nerdy and buy the comics. Sorry, but that's the reality. (laughs) Or you go watch the Incredible Hulk TV show. So in the end, these are two, two that... Two characters, two timelines that really jump-started the superhero genre as we know it today, and I am grateful immensely to both of them. You know, it's funny, when my kids talk about how cool it is, because they actually appreciate how much they've got in terms of superhero content and animation, live-action films, all I do is I look at them and say, yeah, you're welcome. Because the truth is, (laughs) Race to Cadence, it's thanks to people like you and I, you know, of our vintage, of wanting this so much. Now we're in the driver's seat, now you have all of this yeah, we we hit, we had to suffer through some harsh times, but we have what we have thanks to us. That's the thing. If I didn't go buy those Captain Carrot comic books back in the day, we wouldn't have the MCU as we know it. <laughs> the Zoo Captain Carrot and the Zoo Crew. I know. Uh, Captain Carrot and the amazing the Zoo Crew. Thank you. Yeah. That's true. That's true. All right. We're getting him on the show. Before the end of season 4, James, Captain Carrot will be on this show. I guarantee it. <laughs> Right with there with Samurai Jack. Now, how dare you, Ray? We've been uh, we've been kind of hitting it in all cylinders. You know, we've been doing great with our stuff, and our legion of audience has really been perking up, uh, especially since we announced that we kind of are starting the search. And more on this later, by the way. But we're starting our search for the ultimate who would win super fan. So uh, I got together with the marketing team. Uh, oddly enough, you, you weren't there at the meeting, but you know, we decided to continue Never with it invited. anyway, and we. Well, there's maybe a reason. We wanted to come up with some great prizes. And, you know, because when you crown the ultimate super fan, you got to reward them with something that shows that we appreciate you and everything you do for our our team and our show and what have you. So we came up with three prizes, three suggestions. I said I'd run them by you one by one. And let me get your input on this. I'll bring it back to the team. We'll see where we're at with it. Sure, I love them. You ready for the... All right, you're going to love this one. So the first one was suggestion number one, one of Ray's kidneys. Well, I'm going to need those. Not a bad idea. 
I strongly, well, first off, we don't even know if it's a match for them. So this could just be outrageous. I don't want them taking my kidney and just selling it on the black market. This is a celebrity kidney we're talking about here. Not just some average person off the street. Outrageous. And second, I know for a fact, the way I live hard, I'm going to need both of them at some point. Yeah, I made it very clear that uh, these were not premium kidneys to be had. But it would just be kind of a cool thing to have on your desk like as a paperweight. Uh, maybe it's something to throw and play with a I dog. I wouldn't put it on so any pieces of paper. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's right. All right. Sounds kind of uh, gross. Let me get to the next one. I don't think you're crazy about this idea. Suggestion number two. We decided to up the value of the prize dramatically from one of Ray's kidneys and like up it by 10x and uh, yep. do a dinner with uh, James and Ray in Los Angeles. What do you think about that idea? No, wait a minute. The, the one thing I know about dinners with James and Ray in Los Angeles is they typically are missing Ray, who doesn't get invited. I'm hearing constantly about James and Ray dinners after they happened. So if you win the James and Ray dinner, understand off the bat, you're not getting me. Is it? Is it? Be- and maybe that increases the value. I don't know. I don't know. I'm just saying maybe you've been kicked out of quite a few restaurants. You're not allowed in. Look, it's not that you're there not invited. Is not a just- sizzler I'm allowed to in entire Los Angeles <laughs> County. <laughs> I get hit up with messages from Burger King management every day since... Anyway, more on that later. All right, last suggestion. I think you're going to love this one. Suggestion number three, we bring in the ultimate Who Would Win superfan... Yes. ...as a guest judge on the Who Would Win show. Ray, tell me why you love this idea. That's the worst idea. Yeah, because if you're the greatest fan of Who Would Win, chances are you can't not be biased. And nobody wants to hear a biased judge. Look, we've heard too many biased judges from people who weren't supposed to be biased. Suddenly we bring somebody on handpicked by James Gavsey to judge the show. This is an outrage. I will not stand for it. I would much rather have the super fan come on the show and challenge me one-on-one to a debate than I would have them as a judge. Mainly because that gets James off the show. Good for ratings. <laughs> That's exactly what our research says. All right, listen. There's a lot of stuff that we can, a lot of directions we're going with this. I think what we need to do is kind of make some official uh, social media posts and get some real input from the uh, Legion of Audience, our fan base, to figure out something that's going to be a little bit extra special. Because again, it's an extra special show, and our super fan is, um, you know, an amazing person. Now, speaking of extra why are special, you de- why are you afraid to debate me, Legion of Audience? Debate me. All right, now, uh, speaking of extra special, it's time to introduce our guest judge making another appearance on the Who Would Win show. You've seen him on Jimmy Kimmel Live and the Conan O'Brien show. You know him as Android 19 from Dragon Ball Z. Oh, yeah, you know who I'm talking about. It's the one, it's the only. It's Philip Wilburn. Philip, welcome back to Who Would Win. I will destroy you all. <laughs> hey, everybody, it's me, Philip Wilburn, Android 19, all the other things, evil overlords, everything that I could be, possibly. It's great to be back. You know, it's been a little too long since you've been on the show. Uh, I love it when you come on the show, even when you don't go, you know, give me the the win or what have you. You bring a lot of your amazing experience and insight into this. And your decisions kind of come from left field. As much as I like to predict what a judge is going to do, and sometimes it's scary how close I am, I am completely in the dark when it comes to Philip Wilburn. Philip, what is it about you that makes everyone just be in the dark and not understand how you think. Are you a genius? Are you a sorcerer? What is happening here? I'm just baffling in general. A lot of people have complained that about me, but truth of the matter is 
you know what? I just go with my heart every time. That's that's where I go. And, you know, I try to be, you know, I listen to, you know, I have I have listened to, you know, Ray's wonderful um ideas of things. I've actually I think I've actually agreed with Ray once. I mean, you know, that says I'm unpredictable right there. I have so much joy for this. It's so fun. I love the challenges and I feel like Usually, they feel like they're picked for me, and I don't think tonight's any exception. But I'm going to say right now, I'm so excited to be here, and this is an amazing opportunity, and I can't wait to see who who I'm going to judge tonight. It's going to be amazing. You know, James Gavsey said something uh, actually a little bit ago in that he loves it when you're on the show, even when you don't give James the win, and I will double down on that. I love it when you're on the show and don't give James the win as well. We share that in common. That is true. That is true. And James, just so you know, Ray's the only person I've ever hit over the back with a metal chair out of the two of you. So just know that. It's a true statement. I mean, I'll take what I can get. That makes me feel very special. All right, listen. (laughs) We have an amazing show. We've got the iconic. Yeah, I said it. Iconic Philip Wilburn here. We've got Ray. You've got me. You've got Batman 89. You've got... The Incredible Hulk, the Lou Ferrigno Incredible Hulk, absolutely incredible. This is a time for the Legion of Audience just to love our show. With all that being said, Ray, please do us the honors and announce today's matchup. Representing Warner Brothers, the crime fighter who owes half of his success at least to Elfman, Batman 1989. <laughs> wow. And representing CBS television, the outcast who spent all his time looking for the cure, but alas, Robert Smith, Simon Gallup, Roger O'Donnell, Reeves Gabriel, and Jason Cooper all eluded him. The Incredible Hulk. It's a a music reference. I don't make those very often, so I'm excited about it. I'm, I'm glad you don't. All right. Well done, Ray. Now, before we go any further, let's go over the official rules of a Who Would Win matchup, which are brought to you by Indeed.com, one of our great sponsors, and by the Geek and Game Facebook community, the best place, in my opinion, for all things to do with geek culture. So here are the rules. Rule number one, each debater will make three points. Rule number two, the Who Would Win match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Rule number three, the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality, and the exact version of that character has to be specifically stated. Ray, this is where I ask you what version of, you know, the Hulk you'll be using. We clearly know it's the Lou Ferrigno version. By the way... World War Hulk, everybody! I changed my mind! There we go! There we go. (laughs) No, I'm doing doing Lou Ferrigno. Yeah, by the way, I hate you, Ray Cicadas, more than ever because I love Lou Ferrigno, all things Lou Ferrigno, especially the Incredible Hulk that Lou Ferrigno portrayed iconically. So I hate you, I hate myself, and uh, but I'm still going to do the show because that's what yeah, I do. But this and is I'll- Batman, James. This is Batman. I know you're not going to say, you're not going to pass on Batman under any circumstances. When the team came to me and said, James, great news, you're repping Batman 89. I'm like, hell to the yes. Awesome, fantastic, I got this. Who's it up against? And they told me. I literally was like crying on the floor, like, why would you do this? To me? I'm gonna get some payback on the Hoodwin team. They know what they're doing. Rule number four debaters may only use examples of skills, powers, or weapons that are a long established part of the character's continuity. Feats from non canon crossovers are allowed, but will be given less weight. Rule number five the winner of the debate is whoever the judge decides is the best case for defeating their opponent by death, submission, or battlefield removal, and where no attack or threat can be made for at least two minutes. Finally, rule number six the judge is the final arbiter and can disallow or veto at any point they feel violates these rules or established logic. 
And before we get started, don't forget to visit the official Who Would Win store to get your very own Who Would Win merchandise and accessories. Go to whowouldwinstore.com to get your hands on some Who Would Win merch immediately after the show, and then tomorrow, the weekend, and just keep buying stuff because it's great stuff. Also, I have a Who Would Win t-shirt, so it's great. Go buy some stuff. I mean, if Brainy Smurf says to buy it, you should buy it like Thank right you. now. Papa Smurf says, always buy merchandise. <laughs> Brainy, Brainy Wait, how would, how would Zenigata yeah, say it? Go get a shirt. <laughs> we have a new sponsor for Who Would Win, and I think y'all might enjoy this one. It is Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile game that taps into everything we all love about Marvel Comics. You get to pick a squad of your favorite Marvel heroes, you know, and villains, let's keep it real, and team them up to fight big bads like Doctor Doom and, of course, save the universe. Your goal in Marvel Strike Force is to power up your characters and compete PvP against other players in multiple different modes. And you know I'm not telling you all about this empty-handed, because if you're a new user and sign up with our promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, you're going to get hooked up with all kinds of free stuff to get you started the right way. Let's face facts. You love Marvel, you love gaming, and you got a phone. So take a sec and check out Marvel Strike Force using the link in the description of this episode, ideally, and use our promo code MAXPOOL and get the whole Who Would Win show hookup. Thanks again to Marvel Strike Force and thanks to me for this great read. Good job, me. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Hello, Who Would Win folks. This is one of your favorite movie podcast hosts, Kevin Goatee here from Gutting the Sacred Cow. We know we have a lot of our herd fans in your audience and vice versa. And would you believe that this week our episode is the Blockbuster Mentality Podcast, guys, coming on to attack Batman 1989? Wow. And look at this. Who would win, guys, have Batman 89 fighting in a fight? You talk about kismet. Well, here we are. Make sure you come over to guttingthesacredcow.com or your favorite podcast platform or YouTube to check out where you can hear the episode to see if the Blockbuster Mentality guys can convince Kevin Israel and myself that Batman 89 is as bad as huffing Smilex gas. Thanks to Ray and James for letting us do this, and we'll see you guys soon. Later. And now, let's get to the tail of the tape for both of our combatants. Ray, please give us the details for The Incredible Hulk. The Incredible Hulk was a TV series on CBS that aired from 1978 to 1982. It starred Bill Bixby and Lou Ferrigno as the two sides of Dr. David Banner, The Incredible Hulk. The show was developed by Kenneth Johnson. The Incredible Hulk spent the series nomading around the country looking for leads on how to reverse his condition. This journey took him all over the place and had Banner taking all sorts of odd jobs as covers. 
despite doing pretty well in the ratings, it was canceled by new management at CBS when they took over, admitting that they had no problem cutting successful shows if they did not understand them. Ugh. <laughs> After the show went off the air, three connected TV movies followed, which added in more Marvel Comics characters, often for the first time on screen. Fun fact. Never mind the story about why Dr. Banner's name is David instead of Bruce. Never mind that in the original pitch of the show, Hulk was intended to be red, not green. The fun fact I want to talk about is much, much more personal. In The Incredible Hulk Returns, the TV movie, the character of Thor was introduced, played by Eric Alan Kramer. Eric Alan Kramer went on to co-star in a lesser-known pilot-slash-web series called Full Nelson as a wrestler named Eric the Viking. Also co-starring in this series was Who Would Win Show co-host Ray Stacanis. So there you go, James. I'm as close to Thor as you're ever gonna get. That is The Incredible Hulk and a little Thor. <laughs> Here's... I, I, I really need to see this web series right now. Legion of Audience, we should really find this. And I think it's going to be fantastic. And Race to Kings is a great actor. But, yeah, seeing him get you beat can, up by you Thor You can find it on Vimeo. Just search Full Nelson uh, a Pilot or something. Find it on Vimeo. You can watch me tase a guy, uh, uh, a very funny comedian named Joshua Funk, uh, who is a very talented uh, performer. <laughs> okay, I, I'm immediately after the show, I'm hitting Vimeo. All right, here are the important details for Batman 89. Batman was created by artist Bob Kane and writer Bill Finger and first appeared in Detective Comics number 27 in 1939. And of course, I'm referencing Batman from the iconic, legendary masterpiece of a movie. Uh, released in 1989. Now, everything changed for Bruce Wayne when his parents were gunned down in front of, in front of him during a botched robbery, a robbery committed by Jack Napier, a.k.a. the Joker. Yeah, the Joker's the one who killed Bruce Wayne's parents in this universe of Batman. Swearing vengeance on all crime, Bruce traveled the world, owning his body, mind, and skills into the perfect weapon. Returning to Gotham, he began his war on crime. However, he lacked an edge. Taking on the mantle of the bat, he became a symbol of fear to criminals in Gotham and beyond. Look, we all know the story. I'm not going to continue with this. You know, he's Batman. It was Batman in 1989. They didn't have the Justice League or anything else. But, man, it was absolutely awesome. And he really set the bar for everything. And it was thanks to Batman 1989 that I really believe Batman, the animated series the 90s, came to be. So I owe a lot to this movie because that is, you know, my series. All right. Here's an interesting fact about Batman 89. Ray and Philip, are you ready to have your minds blown? Because this is kind of insane. You guys ready for this? Let's go. Absolutely. Okay, check this out. Did you know, officially, that out of the four original Batman movies that started with Batman 89, that the first two films starring Michael Keaton are in a different universe altogether and are not connected with the Batman film starring Val Kilmer and George Clooney? Did you know that? Because I sure didn't oh, until God. I researched thank this. Thank God. I know, right? Uh, and bit, literally, I was going to say, evidently, and thank God it's true. So in response to a question as to whether the Joel Schumacher Batman films are canon to the world of Batman 89, DC writer Sam Hamm responded that the Shoemaker films take place in the alternate universe uh, uniquely known as Earth-97, as opposed to Batman 89's universe called, you'll never guess, Earth-89. Since finding this well, out, James Gavsey is celebrated in the streets and has officially dropped his vendetta against George Clooney since his version of Batman doesn't matter anymore. You're welcome, George. And you're, you know, safe now. And now you have the facts on both opponents. <laughs> Philip, do you have any questions before we get started? I think I've got everything that I need to know now. I, I'm, I'm fully covered. 
All right, here we go. Let's get this party started. Ray, hit us with your point number one. Point number one for the Incredible Hulk. Let's just, we got to open up with the strength because the Hulk is very, very, very strong. Now, some people have argued that this particular version of Hulk is the lowest strength Hulk uh, that you're ever going to find because he was made for TV and they couldn't have him doing some of the more fantastical feats. I would argue that he does fantastical feats on a weekly basis. That is outrageous. Just because we haven't seen him like pulling continents together with chains does not mean that this is not a massively powerful version of the Hulk. And here is a, ma- I, I did it. I went down the rabbit hole with this show over the last few days. So here's a bunch of stuff that I found he could do. The Incredible Hulk crushed a gun in his hand. He grabbed a gun out of the hand of a military guy and then crushed it into basically powder in his hands. Now, one thing that you're going to notice a lot if you watch a lot of Hulk, as I now have done, is that when he hits people, they love that shot where the camera's on the ground and the body goes flying over the top of the camera. So when Hulk hits people, they go flying through the air Power Rangers style, and they often go 20, 30, 40, 50 feet in the air, flying, hitting things, hitting into things, going through things. When Hulk hits you, you definitely feel it, and definitely Michael Keaton's Batman. We've seen him get rocked by a few punches out there. If one good backhand from the Hulk can send him 50 feet through that church bell, as opposed to, you know, into it, Klong, I'm just saying he's going to be having a bad day. A tank. Hulk was once attacked by a tank. The army was going after him and he took the, you know, the big turret of the tank and he just bent it. (laughs) That's hard to do. He grabbed the turret, bent it downwards so it couldn't shoot at anybody and malfunction their systems. So they decided let's just run him over. So he just takes to the front of the tank and shoves and he ends up reversing the tank going full speed ahead. That is, it's not that the tank is fast, but it is powerful. He reversed the tank, pushed it up off the ground, and then shoved it into a ditch sideways, knocking it out of commission. How hard would it be if the Batmobile starts, and I'm assuming James is going to try this, if the Batmobile starts revving in on the Hulk, he can just flip that darn thing over anytime he feels like it. Hey, do you like smashing walls? The Hulk sure does, because he smashes through roughly 3.7 walls per episode of the (laughs) Incredible Hulk TV show. He loves smashing doors, walls. There is no physical barrier that you could put between him and yourself if he wants to get to you. One time, he got David Banner got thrown over a bar, turned into the Hulk, and just walked through the bar... (laughs) Just basically ah, ripped it in half, walked through the bar in order to get to the patrons so we could beat them up. A guy threw a pool ball at him. He dodged the first one easily because he's a little fast. The guy threw a second one at him, caught it, smashed it into powder right there in his hands. Smashing a pool ball into powder, what happens when Batman goes to throw a punch? He grabs Batman's hand and smushes Batman's hand into dust. That's not going to feel good. Hey, one time Hulk got charged by the meanest bull at the rodeo, a wild animal. He just shoved him down by the horns. This bull was 1,600 pounds, shoved him down to the point the bull ran away. He bent a steel pole to subdue three cowboys and tie them to a fence. He used a rope. Uh, He was being dragged through this water, this like creek, by two horses, turned into the Hulk, grabbed the rope, yanked the cowboys off, and then ran the other direction, running them through the creek the other way. Why? Because he's the Hulk. And one time he was on trial in the trial of the Incredible Hulk. He flipped over the entire jury box with the jurors in it. And another one of my favorite moments, he jumped on the field of a football game and grabbed this linebacker who was going to kill the quarterback. And he... (laughs) 
takes him, holds him in the end zone. Nobody wants to come near. The other football players are like, let's go get him. So what does the Hulk do? He, with one hand, shoves down the entire goalpost onto the field to keep people away from him. Batman is a wonderful character. He is not capable of the feats of strength that we have seen the Hulk do on the reg in his own show. So when it comes down to it, Batman's not going to dodge every punch, and it's only going to take one to ring his bell. And that's my point number one. All right, let me just go over a few things with Ray Cicadis. You're saying, you know, he bent a turret of a tank, pushed a tank over, smashed through walls, grabbed a bull by the horns and brought it to the ground. You know, you call that super strength. We call that average Canadian strength. That's really not that impressive. (laughs) That's what we do all the time, especially in Northern Ontario, Quebec, where I'm from. Here's the deal. The Hulk does a lot of stuff that's pretty impressive. He smashes through walls and what have you. But one thing he doesn't do that's impressively is punch people. The Hulk does not, and I checked, he does not punch people for whatever reason, and I'm going to go into this later, he's not that violent towards people. Will he try to kind of, you know, wrangle them a little bit? Uh. Sure. Maybe throw them? Sure. But he's not punching, he's not kicking, he's not ripping people's throats apart. This guy's not as vicious as you might think. By the way, that just means he's an awesome character. Uh, More importantly, you said he walked through a bar and he made this really cool noise. What noise, can you repeat that? What noise did the Hulk make when he walked through the bar? No, I cannot. Can't do it. Can only do it once. Got it. All right. Uh, listen, the bottom line is- You don't get is- repeats on this show, James Gavsey. <laughs> the people can rewind the tape. We've been over this before. That's fair. Listen, the, the great thing about the Hulk is that they, they made him a little bit more, if this is even possible, relatable because his backstory is that he's not gamma radiated into an enhanced human. He's actually an evolutionary throwback to Neanderthals or cave people or whenever humans, I guess, nope. were green- that's, that was one of the main theories of the no, Incredible Hulk. You got that totally wrong, James. I'll explain that in my point number two if I need to. Feel free. But here's the bottom line. The point I'm trying to make is he's nowhere near as powerful. The, uh, you go to any Marvel wiki and you check this out. They estimate between five to ten tons in terms of lifting power, which is great. That's awesome. That's actually lower than Spider-Man's strength from the MCU right now. So I'm just putting that in perspective. Still superhuman, still awesome. Just not the powerhouse we all wish he was. All right, let me get to my point number one. I'm going to open this up by just saying, where does Batman get all those toys? So, you know, I got to talk about Batman's gadgetry, his 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 cool advanced tech, at least for 1989. So let's go over that real quick. He's got that iconic grapple gun, which was used only like he can latch onto people from high distances. It can, you know, lift Batman from one height to another, but you can also use it as a weapon to disarm and injure crooks. I think he even impaled people with it because you know why Batman's vicious like that. Now, this grapple gun could also operate as a spear gun and shoot spear looking things into people or walls but was also armed uh, to fire very powerful tranquilizer darts, which is really, really interesting in this battle. Now, he's got what's called the gauntlet, and that was that thing that he held up in front of the Joker in the museum where it has two points on either side and shoots him out, and all of a sudden it's a line from one point to another, and he just lifts himself up and takes him down, and that's where Joker says, where did you get all these wonderful toys? Uh, On top of that, he's got smoke capsules galore. So nothing too unique about these gadgets other than the fact that they quickly disperse, we're talking about the smoke bombs, into the ground, make a big cloud. I think it was green or gray or whatever. Uh, let's see. This is really good for Batman to make an escape from dangerous situations. It confuses criminals, which, by the way, Hulk gets confused kind of easily. Now, some of these smoke bombs, by the way, contain uh, coughing gas and knockout gas. So more on that later as well. Now, speaking of knockout gas, Batman also has an air breather that he can pull out from the utility belt. It's just something you put in his mouth. It lets him breathe like a gas mask kind of thing or if he needs to go underwater. 
So if there's a knockout gas or coughing gas, it's not going to affect Batman. He's got that bola gun, and this was the weapon that got the Joker killed. Remember, he uh, took that bola and threw it around uh, the Joker, which tied him up to that gargoyle-looking thing on top of the building when he was trying to grab that helicopter and he fell to his death. That's an interesting thing. He's got another version of the Batarang. Now, we call this, I don't know, Batarang version 2. And we saw this in the second Batman movie based off Batman 89, where he takes it out. It's got this screen on it. And he hits some buttons, and it has this kind of weird AI tech where it scans the area, it finds four people, and he just gently whips it, and it smashes in to all four of the people, taking them out, and returns to his hand. Pretty interesting. He's got acid capsules, because why not? And this is something that he threw at Catwoman in one of their fights, and this ate through her suit and left that horrific kind of burn and scar on her arm. Luckily, she only got like a drop of it on her or whatever, but it was still enough to kind of wreck everything she was wearing. Uh, she's got that line launcher, not as flashy as that gauntlet from Batman 89, but it's something that just looks more like a smaller gun, shoots a line up, and he can pull himself up. Just lots of ways for him to maneuver very, very quickly. And finally, Batman has a series of time bombs, and these are little bombs that can be set and then detonate later, and he's really good at putting them on the ground where people aren't even sure or where they're there, or he can plant them on people themselves, something he can easily do to the Hulk, and the Hulk you know, can survive a lot. Time bombs, that's going to hurt him quite, quite a bit deal. But there's more. We've got that bat suit, and the bat suit can take up to, you know, we saw Batman get shot four times. He hits the ground, and he's up seconds later. He's also got on his gauntlets these uh, scabbards or kind of fins that are really sharp and super durable, can take on swords. He's got a lot of stuff that he can, he's got tasers he can shoot out of his hands that when they hit somebody, they electrocute him. And he's got something that looks like um, a nightstick kind of a baton kind of thing coming out of his other gauntlet that just adds a lot more power to his punches making him hit way, way harder. Look, all this stuff is insane. He's got the greatest tech ever for 1989, and this is something the Hulk is not going to be prepared to take on. That's my point number one. And he's not going to be prepared to take it on. Hulk 78 took on all kinds of similar things. You know, you talk about the grapple gun. Okay, he's going to shoot the grapple gun and then tie up the Hulk in a rope. All Hulk's going to do is yank the rope and pull Batman in closer to him, which is right where the Hulk wants him. A Batarang? Sure, a Batarang can knock out random thugs who don't matter. They don't even have names in the script. And people have been throwing things at the Hulk for four seasons of television and three TV movies, and never once has he gone down from any of it. Seems unlikely. And gas? Not really worried about that. The fact that uh, Batman's got a little breathing apparatus, yeah, he's going to be sucking wind after 30 seconds of trying to fight this Hulk. He will not be able to hang with him because at the end of the day, the thing that I've learned about uh, Batman 1989 is even though he's got all those wonderful toys, he tends to get up close and personal with so much of his fighting. We remember the bell tower scene. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't yell, I'm Batman at the guy from across an alley. He gets up and gets right in his face and holds him up. Batman 89 is going to try to attack Hulk up close, and that's where he's going to be in trouble. Interesting counterpoints. All right, let's turn this over to Philip. Philip, you've heard point number one from both Ray and myself. Where is your head at so far with this battle? Well, I, I have to go to it. Where does he get those wonderful toys? You know, that is an interesting thing. You know, uh, 66 Batman, you know, Adam West had a lot more gadgets, more campy gadgets. But, you know, Batman did have a lot of great toys and a lot of great things. Mainly, you know, um, a lot of his stuff was, like you say, uh, got him out of got him out of danger, distraction stuff. Uh, and, and I, you know, he's very powerful. He uses his toys in a very interesting way whenever he's not, he's very clever with it. Like when he th 
throws one of his grappling things into a wall and pulls that piece of stone out of the wall to knock somebody out. So there are some ways that he can do stuff. Now, Ray, you brought up a couple of things about how uh, how the Hulk doesn't like doors. He goes through walls. How the Hulk uh, could take on a tank. But one thing that the Hulk could do that I did not see Batman do is Batman has battled a lot of foes and he's picked up a lot of things and he's done a lot of stuff. But has has Batman ever picked up the man who came up with most of the things we love? And that's one thing Hulk did. Because when Hulk lifted up that jury box, Stan Lee was in it. And Excelsior is an amazing thing. So I got to be honest, that is... Now, but Ray, I've got to say... I do know that there were episodes of the Hulk where there was a gas thing involved. It didn't it didn't affect the Hulk in a big way and it did not but it did impair him a little bit. You know, he slammed through the wall a little slower when he left, but I did see that. So Batman may have that, but I do agree how powerful uh Hulk Hulk is very powerful and I've seen stuff a lot. Now, one thing I know that Hulk has a little bit of problem with is when they're on rocky terrain, if you look very closely, the uh, Lou Ferrigno's wearing a small uh, green flip-flop type thing to protect the bottom of his feet. We're going to say that's like the utility belt. That's one of the Hulk's toys. It's more <laughs> wardrobe, but it's still there. So I'm just saying that's something that you should notice as an avid viewer. I, I could not be happier that you brought that up, uh, Philip Wilburn, because now that we have HD TV, uh, we can see these things. But in all the wide shots, you see never, home, you never he's saw wearing it. green never... painted moccasins, <laughs> and it's delightful. Can I ask one question before we move on? Sure. Do you know yes. the reason they changed his name from David to Bruce? Because I do want to use that in my in my fear, theory. If you know it. We do I know do it. I do know it. It's not the kindest thing in the entire world. I'll just say that the the producer of the movie felt that the name Bruce was too effeminate, we'll say. Okay, and, that's and and that he thought David was a much more manly name for his superhero. Now, I disagree completely with that and find right. it silly, but 1978 was a different time. I just wanted to ask that because I didn't know if uh, if the actor involved Bill Bixby was like, "My son's named David, I'd really like it to be David." So, there we go. We've got that out of the way. All right. I think I've got a good lay of the land on what's going on. All right. Love it. All right, Ray Cicadas. The battle is on. Hit us with your point number two. Point number two for the Incredible Hulk from the 70s. We're going to talk about his defense and some other intangibles. Because one thing I know about Batman, and this is every iteration of Batman, but very notably Batman 89 as well, is that he conquers people through intimidation. He beats people because they are afraid of him. One thing that I can tell you with certainty about Lou Ferrigno's Incredible Hulk, he's not going to be intimidated even slightly by Batman. Definitely not Michael Keaton's 1989 Batman with the extra pointy (laughs) tips of the cowl. And so if you take away Batman's intimidation factor, that's one reason why the Joker in that movie was so able to hang with him despite being completely physically overmatched. It was because he wasn't afraid of him. And if you look at the Hulk, he stands in the middle of the room. He pumps iron like Hulk Hogan a bunch of times. Probably that's where it came from. And then he just growls and everybody gets scared. And then he wallops on them. 
I don't think Batman's going to be scared of Hulk, but I definitely don't think Hulk is going to be scared of Batman. That's half his game right there. Now, defensively, we've seen him take some really powerful shots. He ran one time, three men who had M16s and one of them had a pistol were just shooting at him at pretty close range as he ran towards them with a steel girder. And he just ran through them, took all the shots, crushed them all into a wall, sent all of them flying with the steel girder. As Bruce Banner, one time he was blinded. Now, this is as Bruce Banner, not even the Hulk. He was running through some sort of army simulation, uh, uh, war games kind of a thing with live explosions. He kept, he was blinded at the time, kept setting off explosive tripwires, one after another after another. And somehow walked out of it, no problem, until I think finally the third or fourth one, he finally turned into the Hulk. But if David Banner can't be hurt by explosives, what are we talking about? Now, one time he was fighting the army, previous example, one of them shot him in the shoulder as he was kind of trying to get away from the situation because he didn't want to hurt anybody. Well, that just made him mad. If you hit Hulk, what happens? You make him mad, you make him stronger, you make him fight even harder. So if Batman does try some of these gimmicks, they're going to hurt him Maybe a little bit and he's going to come back strong. So Hulk disappeared over a ridge. All the army men are there in their uh, APC, you know, uh, looking over like what happened to him. Hulk from literally nowhere jumps from behind into the middle of the APC and just starts chucking out the soldiers one by one by one, incapacitating all of them just by throwing them out of this vehicle. He once survived a lethal injection. You talk about the poisons, maybe not, you know, doing a whole heck of a lot. A, a doctor gave him what was supposed to be a lethal injection to kill him because he considered him a menace. And Hulk just survived it. He, Bill Bixby then turns into the Hulk, survives it, and then starts wrecking his way through the hospital. He was a little bit groggy, but he was not any <laughs> less violent when it came down to it. And I think that's what you were talking about before, Philip. Right. He got hit with a pool cue. Absolutely nothing happened. As Bruce Banner, he got thrown into the bullpen with this bull at this rodeo, and the bull stomped all over him. It's a hilarious with these hooves that are just clearly a guy holding a, a fake hoof just popping him over and over again. <laughs> but it's still in the story. He was getting crushed with his bull, did absolutely no damage to, Bru to David Banner, much less the Hulk. That's my point. Maybe uh, Batman can hit Hulk with a few things, but all he's going to do is make him mad. And we all know you wouldn't like him when he's angry. And that's my point number two. You know, I, I I love the childlike glee that you're presenting that you know you have when watching the Hulk do all of these feats. Listen, I remember it from my childhood too. It's great. First of all, how dare you say that it was a guy holding hooves kind of clomping down on David Banner. <laughs> that was a full-grown bull. And by the way, he was hurting David Banner in his inside places as evidenced by the fact that every time a legit hoof from the 1,600 pounds, I don't even know how they did the camera shots in there, brave camera person, is coming down on him. You can almost hear the organs getting crushed, ribs getting crushed, and Dave Banner's like, oh, oh, you know, trying to take it, and then that's why he has to turn into the Hulk. How dare you misrepresent that to the people race that came in. Now, let's see, you're saying Batman conquers people through intimidation. That's part of it, but he's conquered people that weren't intimidated by him at all. And again, of course, Joker, Penguin, Catwoman, a lot of thugs weren't intimidated by him, and he still took them out. That's part of his toolkit, not the whole thing. Let's see. Uh, on top of that, throwing soldiers, again, a real lack of hardcore 
combat violence where he's punching or kicking. Can you imagine a short elbow strike to someone's head from the Hulk? That would have been insane. Or even a really good right cross to someone's dome from the Hulk. I mean, of course, that would have been obliterated that person completely, but we didn't see any of that. Just, I can only recall one punch, one punch thrown by the Hulk, and it was kind of by accident. Anyway, just I just wish he had a better fighting style. Look, all of this is really good, but David Banner got hurt. The Hulk uh, was hurt as well. The Hulk got shot. The Hulk, unfortunately, is not invincible, and Batman has a lot of stuff he can use on him at all times to take out the Hulk, but he's got some other cool stuff too. So let me get to my point number two to talk about that. Now, on top of everything I already talked about for the Batman, he's also got a really cool retractable glider cape that we saw him use brilliantly. In the end, Batman's gonna be way more maneuverable and agile than the Hulk, although the Michael Keaton version of Batman's not doing flips or anything, but he's still doing some pretty cool agile stuff. Let's see, he's a master fighter, he's a master martial artist, he kills people. This is really insane. Sure, he doesn't, like it and he feels bad about it later maybe, but he still kills people if he has to. And on top of everything else, uh, Batman is a master tactician. Remember, you're talking about a combative genius uh, in Bruce Wayne, even the Batman 1989 version. So, Ray, you know, we've talked about this before and I call this now the Serpentor rule. And that is if you have a character and you want to bring that character's vehicle or another accoutrement, like a Grogu for Mandalorian, then you got to find an example of that character and that other item being sold together as a toy. I don't agree with the rule. You brought it up, so I'm going to have to use it right now. In a toy version, Batman has been sold with the Batmobile. Batman has been sold with the Batwing. Batman has been sold with the Batcave. Batman has been sold with Gotham City. You see where I'm going with all this. Now, with all that being said, I'm only going to use the Batmobile because in reality, wherever he was, he was very close to the Batmobile pretty much, I'd say at least 80% of the time throughout both movies. Okay, so what can the Batmobile do? So it's got a lot of cool stuff. It can go zero to 60 in 3.7 seconds. It's got a maximum speed of 530 kilometers per hour. It's got that really cool jet turbine engine. It's that two-seat cockpit that feature like, kind of like, looks like an aircraft on the inside. Let's see, he's got a passenger side monitor. He's got self-diagnostic system. This is cutting edge tech. A voice command operation recognition system back in 1989. A rudimentary artificial intelligence system. And most impressively, it also had a CD-ROM recorder. Look, back in 1989, that was insanely cutting edge because a CD-ROM recorder, I think, was at least $12,000, maybe $20,000 at the time. Now, all of this AI and all that kind of stuff, he can call the Batmobile from wherever he wants and it's going to come to him. It's kind of his other little side, you know, sidekick. So in terms of weapons, the classic Batman 89 Batmobile has side-mounted grappling hook launchers, disc projectile launchers, bomb dispensers, side chassis mounted shin breakers because why not uh let's see one of my favorite things it's got an armor plated body with an additional cocoon remember that just a choo 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 the metal cocoon came over it and that was actually dubbed the cocoon it was awesome it's got rear rear oil slick dispensers smoke emitters two forward mounted browning 30 caliber machine guns pretty sure that's going to do something to the hulk exhaust afterburner a holographic display capable of creating decoys that's insane and if all that wasn't enough the batmobile also has forward mounted dual missile launchers this thing you'd say a tank didn't have a chance against the incredible hulk this thing outdoes a tank in any way shape or form look all of this is great batmobile with batman with all of his 1989 tech that is way too much for an outdated yeah i said it 1970s early 80s incredible hulk that's my point number two 
Interesting. Now, I knew you were going to bring the Batmobile, and I actually agree. I think the Batmobile should be... I don't think he could really get away enough to go get the Batwing, and even if he tried to do that, that's probably Battlefield removal, quite honestly, because it's going to take two minutes for him to get it around. But the Batmobile is always around. He does summon it with a remote control. I don't hate that. Now, what I do hate is your argument there, because I think being in the Batmobile gives Batman a massive weakness. Batman's biggest strength against the Incredible Hulk is his maneuverability, is the fact that he is a faster character, lighter on his feet, and can kind of move a little bit better than Hulk can. But if you put him in that Batmobile, which you just did... The Batmobile is not very maneuverable in comparison. The Hulk, I've already shown, he could pick up a tank and flip it over into a ditch. He's picked up, you know, uh, the jury box with the very powerful and weighty uh, Stan Lee in the box. First ever cameo, by the way, in a Marvel property. Very interesting. He does weigh a lot, too. Thank you, Philip Wilburn. But also, uh, he can pick up the Batmobile from the front end. He can flip it over. And if he does that, Batman is in a world of trouble. If you turtle that thing, which the Hulk could do, and I think would do, that's going to absolutely wreck Batman's chances in this battle. I'm glad you put him in the car. Interesting. We're going to have to agree to disagree on this one. Look, two points for Ray, two points for me. We are now at what is called the turning point. But before we get to what Philip has to say at this particular point in the battle, let's celebrate the Who Would Win Patron of the Week. Every week we choose one of our amazing members of the Who Would Win Show's Patreon community and put them in a battle. Ray, which patron do we have today? Today's patron of the week, we want to give a special shout out once again to our good friend, Joe Leal. Joe Leal, you are our patron of the week. Wow. Okay. When you bring up someone like Joe Leal, you need someone who's a little out of the box, a little different, a little fantastic, if you will. Let's go with a Fantastic Four's Human Torch. Human Torch versus Joe Leal. Now, this is one thing that you got to know about Johnny Storm. He is a hot property. But you know who's even hotter than even the Human Torch? The answer is Joe Leal. When he starts playing out that charisma that we all know he has, that raw man sex appeal, I'll say it, he is a very, very attractive man is what I'm trying to say, and sometimes the hotter property can dwarf the other one. What happens when you take something that's 250 degrees and you put it in something that's 10,000 degrees? The cooler thing at 250 degrees will melt in the 10,000 degree oven. So all that has to happen right here is Joe Leal looks at Human Torch. Human Torch says, flame on, puts on the flames, and Joe Leal just gives him a big old hug. And that extinguishes the flame with Joe Leal's natural heat and charisma. Sorry, Human Torch, you've been extinguished. Joe Leal is the champion today. You know, your your analysis of this fight is filled with, um, as we used to say, double entendre, double entendres, and they have never been said better. You're right, he's an attractive guy. He's hot. Look, Ray and I live in Hollywood, and there's no one as attractive as Joe Leal. I'm just going to put it out there. I have, I'm not ashamed. I'm good to go. And Ray and I are both handsome guys. All that being said, I agree, Ray Sicanis, our winner today is Joe Leal. Now, remember, you too can become a celebrated patron of the week. All you have to do is go to patreon.com slash whowouldwinshow and sign up, and you may be featured in an upcoming episode of Who Would Win. Now, back to the turning point. Philip, you've had a moment to bond, ponder two points for Ray, two points for me. Who do you think is ahead? And what does the other side have to pull out the victory, do to pull out the victory, I should say, in this battle? I got to say something, and I, I, I don't want to be controversial because I know that you said that at the top, you don't know what what I'm thinking. And I got to be honest with you, and, I, and I'm going to be straight up. I'm going to be straight up. The Hulk does have a couple of things that are 
are disadvantages, but his power is amazing, and he doesn't throw punches. He just does a lot of this, and it's all rage, and it's all instinct, and it's all this. On the flip side, Batman takes out a lot of bad guys, left and right. But Hulk's a good guy. I think, I think Batman's, his upper power, his, his, his brain, his consciousness is going to, you know, it's going to be tough. Right now I'm seeing him neck and neck. I got to be honest. I think, I think it would come out to a draw. I think, I think Batman would jump in the Batmobile and hide and Hulk would walk off sad into the distance with the sad music playing at the end. I don't know. I think that's where I'm at right now. I don't want to be so blunt, but right now that's where I'm at because I see them equally I see them equally as powerful. They're in the same world. They're they're pre-CGI. They're pre, you know, all this extra stuff. Neither one of them are doing a lot of flips and flops. So right now, both of you got to got to bring it to make me push it over the edge because right now I see them having this fight and going and getting a burger and fries at a local franchise and going, that was fun. You know, every time I think about that sad music, David Banner walking off into the distance because he's all alone yet again, just made me realize how ding, lonely Race to Canis is. Ding, 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 yeah. ding, ding. Oh, that, I hear that music around Ray a lot. That's I for sure. Too. I could hear that playing after the Incredible Hulk smashes Batman into a bloody pulp <laughs> and then feels bad about it afterwards. And you hear that as he hitchhikes off into the distance after his strong victory today. Ray, what this colors? is where I'm at, guys. I hate to <laughs> be that tr- guy, but I see them. I, I, I'm, I'm being really honest. I'm using my brain. I, I see their power. I think they're up one-on-one power. I see Batman as a little girl to Hulk, and Hulk's not going to smash a little girl. I see Batman looking at the Hulk going, this guy's misunderstood. He's not a bad guy. I can't just out and out kill him. But I'm just saying, that's where I'm at right now. They're powerful good guys. That's what I'm saying, and I think they're equally matched with gadgets and brawn. I think I see your logic as weird as it is about how Race to Cadence reminds you of the uh, sad music at the end of The Incredible Hulk. I also see your logic, by the way, of uh, where the battle's at right now. So, Ray, we've been here a million times. It's a draw at point number two. This is where you bring it, I bring it. It's the ultimate fighting showdown for who would win. Hit us with why you think, and your point number three, The Incredible Hulk wins. I'll just talk to you right now about my Incredible 3 because uh, my Incredible 3, that's what I'm going to call it. My Incredible Point number 3. Now, first off, Philip Wilbert, I would argue that if these two got to know each other, the fact that they are good guys, they probably wouldn't want to fight going forward. But walking into, just walking into the match with their personas, one of them is wearing a mask, all black, hiding in shadows, using an array of gadgets, and the other one's a giant green hulking monster. Initially, I think the first battle would happen to a conclusion before they get that burger and fries. So I do absolutely believe that there's reason enough for them to be mistaken to fight the other to begin with. Now, the big question I have to ask is, who did Batman ever beat? Who did Batman ever really beat in a fight in either of those two movies? They didn't pick Bane for that movie. They didn't pick uh, Mr. Freeze, any of the big hitters of the Batman universe. The three supervillains he took out were the Joker, who doesn't really have any powers, and Batman was, quite frankly, a physical mismatch uh, to him. 
He fought Catwoman, who was great with the whip, absolutely, but again, a physical mismatch between them, although she was very agile. And he beat the Penguin, who was Danny DeVito. Now, Danny DeVito is extremely powerful. Don't get me wrong. But again, in a fight, this is not a fair match. They gave Batman three of his easier targets to knock over. Whereas, let's talk about who the Hulk has beaten on the show, because most notably, the introduction of the Asgardian god Thor happened on the show and Thor hit uh, Hulk with his hammer Mjolnir we all know Mjolnir it's very very potent powerful it can make him fly etc you get hit with Mjolnir especially the TV version which was electrically charged with every strike you're in for a bad day well Thor hit him with it square on in the chest knocked him backwards and Thor was like I won I'm walking away boy was he surprised when the Hulk just got angry from being hurt bull rushed him charged him and took him through a wall this is Thor. This isn't uh, Danny DeVito. Although Danny DeVito is Thor, I would like to see that. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> At one point, Thor took his mighty hammer that can't be stopped, right? That's a big deal. Mjolnir can't be stopped. Went to go take a swing. Hulk just put his arm out like he always does. Blocked it. Blocked a Mjolnir swing. Picked up Thor and just chucked him across the room, smashing him like through a pillar or something. If you could do that to Thor... What's going to happen when Batman comes in with one of his punches that he throws? Blocked, picked up, thrown. You're going to see the equivalent of what happened in comics when Bane broke his back. That's what's going to happen. That's the level of power difference we're talking here. At one point, I watched Hulk fight a brown bear in a river. <laughs> like a seven-foot brown bear. <laughs> they were wrestling in a river. Hulk picked up the brown bear, who was, of course, enormous, massive, threw him outside the river threw him like 50 yards down if he does this to batman again batman's gonna be trouble i haven't seen batman fight no uh, two thousand pound brown bear out in the wild i've seen him fight penguins with little rockets on their backs not exactly the same thing and this is my whole point batman is great batman is a wonderful character batman is a superhero beyond superheroes but the hulk is a force of nature you can't stop the Hulk. If Batman actually starts to get some hits in on him, as Thor did with Mjolnir, Hulk is going to turn around, get super fast, even stronger, and he's going to take Batman out and take him out quickly. Uh, I mean, let's face it. Again, Batman fought some martial artists. Cool. Hulk also fought an entire dojo of karate masters in one of the episodes who were fighting him with bow staffs, sticks, and pole arms, like with spiky bits at the end. What happens? He just grabs the weapon like he would do with a batarang or anything else, pulls the guy in close, and at one point, belly bumped a karate guy, flung him 20 yards away, and knocked him unconscious by belly bumping him. If you get close to the Hulk, he just finds a way to get you. The technique might not be there, but the power definitely is. And that's my point number three. So much to push back on in this race to Canis. First of all, how dare you? How dare you make fun and poke, you know, make light of martial artists from the 70s, one of the heydays of martial arts, especially karatekas and karate masters. Here's the thing. He did pick up a bear 
and throw it. Again, super impressive. He does that to Batman, throws Batman 50 yards in the air. Retractable back gliders come out. The bat, the bat line, the grappling line. Batman will know how to deal with this. This is something he's trained for, not being thrown by the Hulk, but being put in the air all of a sudden, and he's got to figure out a way around it. He's a master problem solver. Look, Philip, I think you're absolutely right. These two characters are, at the end of the day, I think they're going to actually like each other. There was a Batman, a Marvel DC crossover event in the early 80s. And uh, I remember someone gave me an issue to do this like years after it came out. Batman and the Incredible Hulk fought from these you know, main DC comics and Marvel universes. And Batman's getting thrown around by the Hulk. Finally, he takes out his uh, gas grenades, knockout gas, puts them on the ground. The Hulk holds his breath. Batman takes a running start and karate kicks. I'm going to say it. I don't know if it was karate kick, but karate kicks the Hulk in the gut. Batman's like, I think I almost broke my leg. And the Hulk actually opens his mouth, has to breathe in because some air came out and breathes in all the gas and gets knocked out cold. Batman actually beat the Incredible Hulk in that DC Marvel crossover universe. Now, I know crossovers don't count as much. You love this example, but those aren't the characters we're talking about, James Gaffney. Exactly. Much we're talking less about weight a to Batman. that consideration. Those are different versions of the characters. Hey, Stacanus. Brace the canis, eat more fiber. Here's the deal. I'm actually agreeing with you. That is the version of the Hulk that held up a mountain that could destroy a huge planet. The whole that that's the most powerful. And that Batman could take him out. So lessen that Batman, lessen that Hulk, and you're gonna see a little bit more parody. Now, here's the deal. Everything that Batman did to beat the Incredible Hulk in that crossover, this Batman can do as well. Now, Mjolnir being hit, again, it's a lesser version of Thor in terms of being less powerful, but that was kind of impressive. He took it, he tanked it, and that electrical attack really didn't do a whole lot to, to Hulk as well. So I will give him a couple of points there. But let me get to my point number three to kind of really illuminate what's going to happen. And this is where I'm going to talk about the tactics of Batman and the weaknesses of the Hulk. Okay, so Batman is a master of using everything. And I mean everything and anything that he's got at his disposal in his environment. I mentioned this before, but he can use all of his gadgets like a boxer uses punches. In other words, uh, you know, he can use all his weapons and tech in any combination at will, depending on what he's facing. Now, he's never faced something like the Hulk. That is clear. There's no Hulk in Batman 89 or the following movie. But he has faced off against very powerful opponents, and he's very quick to read his opponents. Someone like the Hulk comes at him, Batman's going to very quickly realize, uh-oh, this is a super powerful tank of a human being coming at me. I got to change tactics. So Batman's not going to have a problem with that. He changes plans on the spot. He can create diversions, use sleight of hand to take or plant something on someone like explosives. He's got this. Oh, he can use his bat ranks, bolas, bat ropes, and other stuff just to distract the Hulk and what have you, position him where he wants him. This is something he's done a million times. The Hulk, however, he's a little more limited and is not vicious overall. I've been mentioning this over and over. He doesn't want to kill people because he's good-natured, you know, at the end of the day. But he's got some fighting methods, and they're really, really limited, and that's going to hold him back against a trained superhero martial artist machine like Batman. So the Hulk has used the following fighting techniques. Remember, and I'm an MMA guy. I've been doing martial arts forever. I broke down his fighting techniques. Here we go. He's used a shove, a push. He's grabbed shirts and clothing. He likes to throw people or animals, because why not? Uh, he allows himself to get hit a lot because he likes to literally tank the shots to show his physical superiority. That's not a great thing to do against someone like Batman who will fully take advantage of it. He'll let you be hit 
move, let you be hit again. This is something he's going to use to his advantage. On top of all of that, let's go over some other weaknesses of the Hulk. So the Hulk has been shot. And when he gets shot, even just once, he yells out in pain, he's hurt, and he's bleeding. And we don't know how long it takes for him to actually recover from that. The Hulk also gets confused super easy. One time, when sitting down with a stranger at a campfire, the Hulk was offered some chicken, right? That was very nice. So he takes the, the drumstick and puts the entire drumstick in his mouth and eats everything, including the bone. The stranger's like, hey, you may want to wash that down with some, like, I guess, whiskey or something in a bottle. So the Hulk takes it, and he's about to start eating the bottle, and the guy, the stranger, has to say, no, 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 you drink it, and has to show him how to drink something out of that. The Hulk is a straightforward, he's almost like the juggernaut, he'll go straightforward. If everything he needs is exactly where it needs to be in front of his face, his eyes, his mind can maybe figure something out, but if it's not something that he can smash or throw or shove... He's going to have a problem. On top of that, the Hulk, even though he throws stuff, he's kind of a close distance fighter. you got to be able to grab the thing and hit it. Sure, he's going to grab Batman. He's going to make Batman realize, God, I don't want to be grabbed by this guy. My punches aren't working. I'm creating distance really quick. That'll be a tactic he used. So listen. Oh, by, finally, by the way, the Hulk is susceptible to drugs. This is horrible. This is 70s programming its best. So Bruce Banner... David Banner, I should say, is working at a music studio because why not? That's a good use of his scientific talents. And while he's there, one of the musicians says, hey, want to try some drugs? You know, the really cool David Banner says, no, 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 not for me. No, thanks. So what does that person do? He slips it into his drink. Horrible human being. David Banner drinks it. LSD's out. He's going crazy. He reverts into the Hulk, who's now LSDing out as well, smashing at things. The whole He was totally affected by it, runs out, and hopefully recovers sometime after. The Hulk, when he transforms because he's too tired or gets, you know, a tranquilizer in the system, reverts back to David Banner. And that's something that could happen in this fight. So with all that being said, the Hulk also can't take heights or falls from heights from very high distances. So Batman, what's that third movie, Ray, you said? The Death of the Incredible Hulk. Great storyline there. Yes. Fell in love with a spy. Finds himself in a helicopter. The helicopter explodes. He hulks out. But the problem is now he's falling to the ground. Hits the ground. Craters the ground as he hits. Dies, reverse back to Bruce Banner, David Banner should say, dies completely at the end of The Incredible Hulk. By the way, side note, there's supposed to be another movie after it never came to be. So, he's not really dead. Here's the thing. I see this fight going a really, really cool way. I know I'm going over, but this will be the final thing. The way this fight is going to happen is going to be really cool. Batman and the Incredible Hulk are going to face off. Batman's going to try a few little of his gadgets. He's going to throw a punch or kick. The Hulk's going to tank everything and toss him. Batman takes a long distance and says, I need some more firepower. And he calls in the Batmobile. He jumps into the Batmobile, uses all of his weapons. He's pummeling the Hulk. The Hulk's tanking everything, but he's taking some damage. And after a long, hard-fought battle, finally the Incredible Hulk, tired, angry, and raged, finally tosses over the Batmobile and takes it out. He stands over it, feeling he's won. And that's when he gets hit by from behind by all the tranquilizers, smoke bombs going off, the gas bombs, everything else. Because Batman takes him out at a distance and completely misdirected the Hulk the whole time. Now, once the Hulk transforms back into David Banner, they become friends. He gets employed by Wayne Incorporated. Everything's good to go. All that being said, that's how Batman wins. That's why I'm crying the fetal position because I've got to rep the Batman against Incredible Hulk. That's my point number three. Now, I truthfully don't remember Batman from those movies going to his tranquilizer darts as his go-to in battle. Generally, he just punches people, kicks people, tries to throw people from great heights. Uh, Batman's not supposed to kill, but I don't know. Feels like he killed a few people in that movie. I'm just putting it out there. 
that's not the worst thing in the entire world, but I don't remember him being like, I'm just going to tranquilize everybody here all the time. That's not his go-to maneuver, so come on. And you say, oh, Hulk, all he does is smash, throw, and shove. That's all he needs to do in this battle. He's durable enough that when Batman tries to hit him with all the things, they're just not going to do anything. And you said it yourself, James, Hulk is going to get his hand on him. Let's not forget, in that Bell Tower fight, Batman fought a Joker gang member who was much larger than he was, and Batman got shoved around real hard by a regular tough human being remember batman jumped at him he got grabbed by the thug and thrown into and through a staircase and was stunned to the point that the thug went and put him in a chokehold and got him afterwards if that's going to stun batman 89 somebody hitting him with 50 times the strength and throwing him with 50 times the power through pillars through everything else is gonna stun him for a heck of a lot longer and also, you know, you talked about the, the whiskey thing. I respect a man who tries to eat the bottle. I respect a man that I drink with who tries to eat the bottle. Uh, that's a sign of toughness and nothing else. Interesting way of looking at it, Ray Stikinis. All right, listen, Philip, Ray and I can go back for day back and forth for days on this battle. It's time for you to come in and make an official decision. You know, take us through your process. Tell us the story, if you will, and reveal who you think wins this battle between Batman 89 and the Lou Ferrigno version of the Hulk. Okay, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to tell you right now, I loved Lou Ferrigno as the Hulk. But outside, day, but, but Adam West and Michael Keaton are my only Batman in the Batman world. So they are, they are Batman in my mind. So Ray, when you brought up the Thor situation, that really got me thinking because I was like, if he could do that with Thor's hammer, that's a really powerful thing that tells me that, you know, maybe he really could take on Batman, but I'm going to say, James, you know, we've had it a couple of times you have been mad at me for, for my decisions, but I'm going to say right now, one thing that happens in almost every episode of the Hulk is he does get confused a little bit. He does not always win. And I could see that Batman obviously not trying to kill him, but trying to fight him could use tactics from his Batmobile to bombs to other gadgets he has to distract and confuse the Hulk to the point where he could use those tranquilizers, which I mentioned earlier was the only thing that I've ever seen in the history of the Hulk that would slow him down. So I don't think he kills the Hulk. I don't think there's any way he kills the Hulk. The Hulk is too powerful for that. But I do think that Bruce Wayne Batman, not by sheer strength alone, no, by moving around with gadgets and chaos and his use of tranquilizers only, I see Michael Keaton's Batman barely, barely subduing the Hulk enough to win the battle to tell David Banner that, hey, we're actually friends. I won this battle. I'm sorry. Let's go get some McDonald's. That's what I see happening. That's the way I deem it. I love Lou Ferrigno, but I love the Hulk. But I think confusion is Batman's best friend because Batman's brain 
is what he uses more than his brawn. That's what I say. I, I got to tell you, I, I, I love how you came up to with this decision. This is so bittersweet to me because I, I love Batman 89, the Michael Keaton version. Of course, we all do. But man, did I ever identify with the Hulk as a kid? Right. I think we all did. And I, I, I hate to say it. I punch holes in my walls. I've wrecked a few doors. This is just today, by the way. Who doesn't want to be like the Hulk? <laughs> right. So I'm, I'm this is so no, bittersweet. I really, I, this was this was Ray. I mean, in all honesty, you had this nailed to me for for the majority of this, because I came in thinking there's no way that Batman can beat the Hulk. But the confusion factor and and it's just bad 70s writing. That was your weakness because a lot of times Hulk was confused by where he was and wasn't the keen, knowledgeable person, you know, and that was that was the only that was the only Achilles side of his bad hairpiece. Let's be honest. Wow. All right. This is again. I'm. I'm that was yak hair. It's yak by hair. The way. Yeah. I'm, I'm going through just so many emotions right now. Uh, Ray Sicanus, uh Again, great job on debating. Uh, you came up a little short. How do you feel right now? I don't know what I have to do with these judges. I don't know if it's because it's starting to get hot in Los Angeles. No one, no one is making sense anymore. I feel like I'm the one who's going to turn green and smash holes in the walls. Philip Wilburn, in all those times when the Hulk got confused, he still kicked all the butts around him. He still beat everybody up normal, even when he was confused. People. So I don't understand how getting people. confused equates getting beat up. Normal person with gadgets. Those Batman people didn't have gadgets. Person. They were extras that were on the set for one day going, hey, stop, and then boom, and thrown. That's all they were doing. There were no super, there were no superheroes. I am horrified. I am horrified that Lou Ferrigno just, uh, in your eyes, <laughs> lost a battle to Mr. Mom. This is inappropriate. I know, I know. It's bittersweet. I didn't think he could do it. Coming into this, I thought the Hulk, the Hulk was going to win outright. I really Me neither. did. And, um... And you almost got it right with the Thor thing. I should have had it with the Thor thing. (laughs) You've got a Thor thing? Have you seen a doctor? Not Danny DeVito. Philip Wilburn, wake up. uh, To go outside the genre, to go outside the genre, Batman got hit by Superman, which I think would have been an equally powerful hit, and he survived. I did not use that for my thing, but that was a thing that happened in the world, but... The confusion thing is a thing that I think we've seen Hulk do that on occasion. And especially in the 70s version of The Incredible Hulk. I was there every Friday night watching it. I saw them all. <laughs> That's right. It was on Friday nights. You, you know, this is uh, this this battle It just tells me one thing. I think we all want to see a team up uh, in either comic book or live action or CGI form of Michael Keaton, Batman 89 with uh, Lou Ferrigno, Incredible Hulk. I think that's just something we need to see. That would be an amazing, like, uh, buddy film, right? No, Ray? No? Not feeling it? I'm sorry, Ray. I'm sorry. I'm not feeling anything right now. (laughs) I've given you many times before. I mean, Uh, Johnny Lawrence, come on. That was a big win for you. Exactly. Oh, that still still haunts me to this day. (laughs) Every win is a big win for me. All right. Philip Wilburn, you were amazing. There's a reason why uh, I call you a national treasure, and that's because of things that happened right now, right here, today, 
on the Who Would Win show. Uh, thank you for being a judge on the show. Thank you for coming back on and just, you know, blessing us through your presence. In the meantime, tell all of our fans, the Legion of Audience, the best where way they to can find, find me is philipoburn.com or at philipoburn at Instagram and all the things Twitter, everything. It's all under my name. So just find me, follow me. It's all good. Love it. Race to Canis. Great battle today. Great job debating. Loved all your points. This was a close one. Tell the Legion of Audience, our fan base, where they can find you online. The origin story of David Banner's The Incredible Hulk. Philip Wilburn would have you believe he's some missing link Bigfoot, and it just happened randomly through nature. The reality is David Banner's love of his life and him were in a car accident that flew off the road, and she died in the car because he wasn't strong enough to lift her out and open the door and get her out and lived with that guilt. So he found out that gamma radiation is something that could unlock the potential of the human DNA and put himself into a thing that would explain him to radiation in a machine this is different than the comic book origin story unfortunately he did he was a sloppy researcher and subjected himself to a considerably higher dose of gamma radiation than he intended to thus unlocking the potential of the incredible hulk inside of him if james would lie to you about the origin story of david banners the incredible hulk what else has he been lying to you about, people at home? What else has he been lying to you about, judges Ray, on this show? Don't Philip make Wilbur, me I angry. Don't remember a single you won't like me when I'm angry. Being used in those movies. <laughs> well, you should be angry because James Gavsey has lied to you to procure a, a, a tainted victory on the Who Would Win show. And I, for one, refuse to sit idly by and take it anymore. I will see you, Philip Wilburn on the third degree on Patreon. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter at Almighty Ray. This should have been a victory. Philip Wilburn himself, if he hadn't have been lied to by James in point number three, already <sighs> said it should have been a victory. I am claiming this as a victory. People at home, you know I won. You know I won your hearts. <laughs> I got nothing else to I'm say sorry, about Ray. that. I'm sorry, Ray. I'm sorry. I have your heart. That's disturbing. You know, I'm wondering if gamma radiation, the way, Ray, you were talking about the story, was really just another way of saying steroids. I don't know. I don't know where we're going with this. All right. <laughs> so you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook by using gamma radiation to increase your human potential by typing on also at James Gabs. You remember to join the official Hoodman Facebook group to make a suggestion for a matchup for the show and be part of our growing community. You can also find us on Instagram and TikTok at Who Would Win Show. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you go for your podcasts. On behalf of myself, Ray Sicanis, and the rest of the amazing Who Would Win production team, thank you once again for checking out another episode of Who Would Win. We'll see you next time. Hey gang, I hope you enjoyed this episode and love listening to the show as much as we enjoyed making it. Quick reminder that you can support us by going to patreon.com slash hoodwindshow right now. Okay, gotta prepare for next week's episode. Hope the rest of your day is full of wins. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, 
Visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. 